Armstrong and Getty Show. Thanks for tuning in. Glad you are here. A lot of good stuff to squeeze in this hour. We're going to uh, clean out the sound vault, for one thing. I got a lot of good clips, uh, some of which are apropos of nothing, but they're worth hearing. I'm not sure if this one is worth hearing. Um, Clip number one, what is this allegedly, Sean? Uh, This is a, a child's allegedly first words, or word, I guess. Okay, let's hear it. I don't get this. She did not say loser. You are so talkative, huh? You got a lot of say. You are so talkative, huh? So the child's first word to its father, presumably, is loser. Clearly a child raised on 80s and 90s era sitcoms where the, the dad is just, he just can do no right. Okay, that's fake, It's and it's stupid. It's foopid. <laughs> no kid's first word is loser. I liked your answer. Off the air, I asked, um, who's saying the kid's uh, first word is loser? The, the parents attempting to go viral are. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well said. So we were talking the last hour about the uh, knee-jerk changes in immigration policy, some of which are utterly unjustifiable, some of which are entirely uh, symbolic by the Biden administration. Biden telling reporters, I'm not creating new law, I'm eliminating bad policy. And you're also eliminating a lot of good policy that worked. Um, The new executive action is not really clear on a bunch of stuff. They hammered the whole, uh, we won't put babies in cages thing. But it's not clear which migrant families will and will not be eligible for reunification. Senior administration officials said the task force, they're going to put a task force together to look at it. That's the classic non-action. It will be responsible for, quote, identifying all minor children that were separated from their parents or legal guardians at the U.S.-Mexico border due to Trump's zero-tolerance policy. Well, it was also due to the policy of Central Americans to get their kid to an aunt or uncle or or grandma or cousin or brother or whatever the heck. In short, Joe, a relative. Um, And then if they couldn't stay, go back to the old country, knowing the kid is safe with relatives. It was always portrayed as if the Trump administration was ripping babies from mother's arms and and heaving them into America to be lost forever. I actually heard the uh, ninnies at NPR saying, what about... What about parents who are no longer in the U.S.? Well, yeah, they went back to to the home country. And they'll work on getting in. But, yeah, the kids with aunt and uncle, it don't stop portraying it like we put these kids onto the streets to turn tricks or, or, or sell drugs or be pickpockets for Fagan out of Oliver Twist. It was a conscious decision by the families to get their kid into the United States to try to get citizenship. That's not to say it's it's kind of it's not sad or whatever, but it's not the way it was portrayed. Uh, asked whether families separated before the policy was implemented would be eligible for reunification, one of the senior administration officials said the task force would also consider families separated separated under an earlier pilot program. Um, they would uh, each family would be evaluated on an individual basis, taking into account the preference of the family and the well-being of the children. In other words, they're really not changing anything at all. Um, the official said the second executive action would evaluate legal immigration programs, such as the Central American Minors Program, begun under Obama. That program allowed certain children from the region to lawfully unite with family members in the U.S. Trump terminated it in 2017. Uh, so now it's in limbo. And the order would also review the Trump administration's perfectly reasonable remain-in-Mexico policy, 
which has left, now I'm going to quote NBC News, which has left tens of thousands of asylum seekers, most of them Central American, living in poor conditions in northern Mexico as they await court hearings to make their cases for protection in the U.S., implying, of course, that we should be accommodating in the U.S. and feeding them and clothing them and educating them and medicating them and the rest of it, even though the rules say you apply in your home country for refugee status at the American Embassy. You don't just head out in a caravan north and knock on the southern border and say, hey, I want to be a refugee, and we got to let you in. That's not the way it works. And the idea that it's somehow cruel or inhumane to enforce the policy is back, it's bass backwards and it ignores the reality of it. If you, if people come to believe that merely by banging on the door, they will be let in, they will come north by the hundreds of thousands. And they will end up in refugee camps or on the streets or, or you know, uh, on the taxpayer dole or whatever. If you make it clear to them, no, you have to follow the procedures. Nobody gets let in but those who follow the rules. Nobody. And word comes down, they understand that in Honduras, they understand that in Guatemala, they understand that in Mexico. Then people will do it the right way. You know, you're telling people they can get in the first row if they rush the doors of the concert arena. You know, back in the day when we, you know, had concerts. And then you're you're blaming the security guards who try to stop them from trampling each other to death. For the trampling, it just it doesn't make any sense. So, enough of that. And, of course, Congress will do nothing because they would rather have the issue than solve the issue. All right, moving along to other fair... Oh, we ought to get to the serial sperm donor in, uh, in the Netherlands. And it's not just... It's not idiotic, you know, because it has the word sperm in it. It's really an interesting story about uh, in vitro fertilization and sperm donors and the rest of it. Also, uh, L.A. has announced that their schools will shut down till further notice. No uh, public, no uh, in-person instruction in L.A. No way, not till it's totally safe. Which, of course, is a canard. Uh, I want to hear the stuff about. Uh, oh, the, who does this? Jeff Bezos PSA. Clip number two. It's sort Sorry. of a comedy clip, but it basically the thing I liked about it. It's not that it's funny, but it, it mentions how much this guy made and how much he was worth. It's okay. amazing. Okay, let's hear it. In the arms. <laughs> Poor Jeff Bezos is stepping down as CEO of Amazon. How will he possibly survive? Now you can help. For just three hundred and twenty-one million dollars a day, you can donate to this out-of-work entrepreneur so he can survive during these troubling times. That's just thirteen million dollars an hour, or a mere two hundred and twenty-two thousand dollars a minute, which is how much he was making as CEO of Amazon. That's a good gig if you can get it. I saw a lot of people uh, tweeting yesterday. Me and Bezos, both out of a job. It's getting rough out here. Yeah, yeah. So he's stepping aside as CEO. He's going to be uh, chairman of the, the, the Umbrella Organization, which includes his, his uh, charity, the Bezos Earth Fund, his Blue Origin spaceship company. I think I called it Blue Horizon earlier. Um, I know SpaceX because they're getting their rockets in the air more often. But they also own the Washington Post, Amazon Day One Fund, whatever that was. But the most interesting revelation about this, which we've mentioned uh, earlier, is that the one-time bookstore become mega retailer 
Um, the revenue for the Amazon, we all understand, is is dwarfed by Amazon Web Services, which is what the new guy is going to be CEO has been running. Um, let's see. Do they have the actual figures in this one? Uh, the news comes along, an earnings report in which Amazon posted its first $100 billion quarter. Now, Amazon Web Services under Jassy, the new guy, reported almost 30% revenue growth for the fourth quarter, year after year. About 52% of Amazon's operating income was attributed to Amazon Web Services. 52% of its income, but uh, my understanding, and I don't think I have those figures in front of me, but uh, their costs are a lot lower than the retail operation because the retail is so human-heavy and equipment-heavy and truck-heavy and the rest of it. It's not nearly as profitable as the web services. So if you think about Amazon as a company that moves boxes around, um, think again. I mean, it's it's a colossus in that realm, but they're looking to the future, and it's everything a business needs to be a business uh, computer-wise. Hardware, software, cloud storage, the rest of it. Uh, interesting, interesting story. I wish I had a better understanding of how, you know, the world really works, or I'd be making twenty three thousand dollars a minute, or whatever it was. So, the cereal sperm donor in the Netherlands, LA's shocking announcement about their schools, much more to come. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. Hey, how are you doing? We were talking earlier today, if you missed it, uh, talked at some length about the idea of impeaching somebody who's out of office because that's getting all ramped up in the Senate uh, soon, soon-ish. Uh, you'd think we'd know, but it's, uh, I think it's much ado about nothing. But it is kind of an interesting question whether you can impeach somebody who's out of office. I'm reading long scholarly articles about it. Well, I had been. I've given up now because what's become clear to me is that the answer is what the answer almost always is for a question about impeachment. It's whatever the Senate decides. It was purposely left vague. You know, the Senate will decide you know, is this appropriate or what are our rules? There are a lot the, the the part of the Constitution talks about impeachment is quite brief indeed. And they talk about the numbers and, and who refers and then who votes. But the idea that because in 1876, somebody by the name of William Belknap, who I believe was the secretary of defense and was involved in a bribery scandal, he was impeached after he left office. And because they did that in 1876, well, it must be right and must be constitutional. Um, is silly. On the other hand, you know, uh, those who are saying it's clearly not constitutional, I I don't think you're right. I think it's whatever the Senate decides to do. So they're going to do it. And it's it's just a 501 shot against the president getting convicted and barred from any future office, partly because Republicans are saying, no, it's not constitutional. Um, a lawyer friend of mine was explaining the concept of mootness. You know, it's it's a moot point. You can't you don't have a trial over something that doesn't matter anymore. Um, so you know, people can think what they will, but whatever the Senate does, it does. Tim Kaine, who came off as a real pardon me, but a hole when he was Hillary's Veep, uh, uh, would be Veep, uh, is a fairly reasonable guy. Sometimes takes on the the attack dog persona and comes off as a jerk. But here he is talking about the idea of censure in clip thirty. 
I'm very worried about going through this trial and having the punchline at the end being Trump acquitted again. That's why we put this alternative on the table, because we think it has meaningful consequences. And, um, but, but where it is right now, we're not going to file it unless we see a path to success. So we'll, we'll get into the trial. My hope is maybe Republicans will see some evidence in that trial where they'll say, well, like, even if I'm not voting to convict, this is repulsive. Maybe some Democrats will say, boy, we're not going to get the votes to convict. We need to come up with something else. So the idea is out on the table. People understand it. They understand what it will do. Right now, there's not enough support on either side. I don't, pe- I don't think people will understand what it will do, Tim. What, what is the consequences of a censure? Nothing. Nothing? Okay. You feel bad. Oh, damn, they censured me. Uh, the president's defense team is brand new defense team because the old one quit, have released a primin- preliminary set of their arguments. They're going to argue it's moot because he's out of office. They're also going to argue there's no way that he incited the riot. There's premeditation, uh, and there's a, a huge First Amendment hurdle. David Schoen and Andrew McCarthy were talking about that very question, 31. This is a very, very dangerous uh, road to take with respect to the First Amendment, putting at risk any uh, passionate political speaker. If this were a legal trial, I think that would be an exquisite defense on the president's part. Having tried uh, a solicitation to violence case, it's a very, very tough proof in a courtroom. But we're not in a courtroom. We're in a political realm. I'm glad he said that at the end because the prosecution the democrats are going to try to argue that over the course of months uh, this building that hold the election was stolen it was a big beautiful landslide you have to fight for your country culminated in the riot even if the speech that morning didn't cause the riot and again it's you know you could never get a conviction for that in court but it's not a court it's a political process meanwhile speaking of the rioting aoc is getting some more attention partly because she's perky and pretty um, and then is a social media goddess, but she is comparing the Capitol riots to sexual assault in this clip. When we go through trauma, trauma compounds on each other. All of a sudden, I hear that whoever was trying to get inside got into my office. And then I just start to hear these yells of, where is she? Where is she? This was the moment where... I thought everything was over. I've heard people on the right react cynically to that. Um, I I know nothing about her allegation of sexual assault. Um, I don't remember. Um, And, you know, I'm not going to make light of it or anything. It's a terrible thing and a serious thing. Uh, It turns out the guy saying, where is she, where is she, was a capital cop. She, yeah, she later found that out, but during, in the moment, as she told the, and she was telling the story from her perspective at right. that time. Oh, yeah, I get that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was just going to say, you know, I could, if I heard that shouted, I would think, hmm, I wonder who that is and what their intent is. So, so fair enough. Um, and it was, you know, unquestionably a horrible thing. Uh, and Oregon uh, Democrat or Republican Party, it was not a false flag operation. Stop saying that. You're making lo- conservatives look like crackpots. Um, but the impeachment is going to be precisely what Tim Kaine feared it's going to be. It's going to be a punchline of Trump acquitted again. Much ado about nothing. Nobody's talking about it except CNN 12 hours later. And, uh, and on we go with our lives. But as I said earlier, I think it's a self-punishing crime over impeaching people. Now, speaking of uh, 
sexual matters, but not assault. This is entirely conceptual. The strip club king of Tampa is getting ready for the Super Bowl. If you're thinking of going to the bowl, maybe with the fellas, and you want to see uh, uh, women shake their body parts at you. Um, the perhaps most famous strip club in America, hmm. they're calling it. Uh, the, I, I have a feeling some Atlanta uh, establishments would, would like to argue that. The Mons Venus Strip Club. <laughs> this guy's 80 years old. He's beaten cancer three times. Thinks he has about six years left in his life, he says. But he's still running his strip club. Um. Anyway... He says the most famous strip club in America has installed hand sanitizing stations, UV lights in the air conditioning system, and a requirement that everyone, dancers and clients, wears masks. But nothing else. What he's saying, my employees tell me they feel safer at work than they do at home. We don't have one case of COVID that we know of. Uh, The strip club king of uh, the world, by the way, is worth about $6 million, he says. So it's not as high-paying a king job as some other kings. You're going to be the king of something, maybe not strip clubs. The Yelp reviews seem to be pretty positive. Really? (laughs) Do tell. All right. Well, if you're in the mood for something, be (laughs) sure to sanitize your hands. dream come true. (laughs) Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I can never remember who this is. Who's, who's this song by? Eric Knudsen. Eric Knudsen. Strikes me where I age. Love that kind of you know, Americana thing. Groovy tune. Yeah, I uh, I gotta seek that out. So I was, uh, you know, talking about AOC and her relating the assault on the Capitol to uh, sexual assault and how the trauma of her being sexually assaulted at some point in her life it was compounded, blah blah blah. And then even the New York Times points out that the Congresswoman has expressed support for women who have come forward with accounts of being sexually assaulted. She spoke out forcefully against Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh. We know that story. But she's also addressed the complexities of allegations that have played out in other politically charged moments. She suggested last spring that when a, that a woman's allegations against President Biden, uh, when he was a senator, uh, was not clear cut. At the same time, she also discussed more broadly the importance of listening to women in an interview on NPR. So let's get this straight. It was clear cut against the Republican. It was not clear cut against the Democrat. And you have to listen to all women. Okay. Okay. Fine. Thank you for your your nuanced opinion. I love the I love the fact she also addressed the complexities of allegations by siding with a Democrat. Well, that is a lovely job of of siding with the allegations or uh, this, uh, yeah, whatever I said. Uh hey, I, I want to get to the L.A. schools remaining closed and some of the things that have been said. We've been hammering this in various districts around the country. It's clearly going to be summer school. And or an extended academic year in 2021, 2022. All the kids going to school in uh, LA County schools are not in school and they're not going to be in school, according to the, the heavies, until all the teachers are vaccinated, which could be many, many months, judging by the way things are gone. Uh, and, and every data set says it's safe to have the kids in schools with sensible precautions, but they don't care. This story's unbelievable. 
starts with this nice Dutch lady, uh, Netherlander. She decides she wants to have a child. Single gal. I suggest you have a partner. I think uh, child and children are better off with a pair of parents who love them. But anyway, uh, she uh, she goes on to the old uh, sperm donor site and picks out this Jonathan Jacob Meyer, a Dutch musician in his 30s. Handsome, blue eyes, mane of curly blonde hair. Gentle, kind, intelligent, etc., etc. She goes with him. She has a kid. Nice-looking kid. Decides the kid needs a sibling a couple years later. Goes back to the dude and says, Hey, by the way, I was kind of curious. How many many kids do you have out there? He says, uh, eight. She thinks, eh, it's not so bad. They're all in the Netherlands. And she does a little digging around on the uh, the Facebook, connects with another single mother who'd used the same dude as a donor, who told her, eight? It's at least 102. What? She does a little more digging. And uh, I can't remember where she came across this piece of information. Oh, she confronted the dude. He admitted that, yeah, it's probably at least 175, and it's probably 300. Which led to more That's digging. That's quite the range. Which led to more digging, and it might be 600 kids. All in the Netherlands. Now, they mention in, uh, where is this from? Some pretty good journalism. I ought to give them credit for it. Seattle Times. In Germany, a donor may not produce more than 15 children. In the UK, it's 10. In the Netherlands, Dutch law prohibits donating anonymously. But the guidelines limiting clinic donors to 25 kids are non-binding. In the U.S., there are no legal limits, only guidelines from the American Society for Reproductive Medicine. And that guideline is 25 children per donor per 800,000 in population. Okay. Scaling it to population makes sense. Sean, uh, just for the the sake of this argument, divide uh, 330 million by 800,000. You can do that. Three hundred and thirty million. Yeah, divided by eight hundred thousand. I want to know how many kids I can produce because I'm going to get into this business. It seems lucrative, and you know, I'd be doing what I love if you know what I mean. One, two, three. Hold on, count the zeros. One, two, three. One, two. Oh no, that was one too many zeros. Dang it! Make clear. No, clear it all. Clear it. Why does this is not going well at all? No, no. Anyway, I'll get to you when I have the uh, the results. Three hundred thirty million. Oh, sorry. It was three thirty million divided by eight hundred thousand. Divided by it ought to be somewhere around four hundred times twenty five, so I could have about a thousand kids. Okay, uh, yeah, Super. roughly. And uh, we would form an army, and what we would do from there, I don't know. I have to think about it. So, uh, according to the American Society for Reproductive Medicine, I could have a thousand children. But here's where it gets crazy, and if you know anything about genetics, you understand that um, if two half-siblings or full-siblings get together and have kids, they're considerably more likely to have uh, birth defects and that sort of thing. In 2019, the Dutch Donor Child Foundation, which facilitates legal and emotional support for donor-conceived people and helps you search for biological relatives, It determined through DNA testing that this doctor at a fertility clinic had secretly fathered around 70 children. At least one sperm donor in Netherlands is thought to have more than 200 offspring, uh, many of whom are unaware of each other. 
Um, and uh, six years ago, this 36-year-old uh, IT guy learned he was one of them. Since then, he's managed to connect directly with 42 of his half-siblings. Um, and then they get into some of his half-siblings have encountered each other multiple times on Tinder, the dating app. One half-brother, Jordy Willikins, who now lives in The Hague, matched online with four half-sisters. Once I swiped on a sister, and she swiped right on me at the same time. Um, How did they figure it out? I wonder if after you become aware that you're the offspring of one of these serial donors, you just start asking people, hey, were you conceived by artificial insemination? Does this name mean anything to you? Uh, this guy, who is now in a relationship, says he's been very careful when dating. I have a very trained eye by now. He recognizes his half-siblings. That looks kind of like half of me. And he has to. Boy, that's wild. Then they get into this guy, in um, a math professor in New York, donates exclusively online and directly with recipients. He's been nicknamed the Target Donor because he sometimes meets women in public spots, such as Target stores, to hand off his sperm. He told the New York Times he had 76 biological children. Then there's this guy in the U.K. who regularly updates his Facebook site with photos of his offspring. He told the BBC he fathered at least 800 children around the world. Well, he donated sperm. Fathering is what happens after they're born. That's just crazy. If you're thinking of buying somebody's uh, sperm, I want to check real carefully into this stuff. Just wild. You swipe. Is it swipe right on Tinder if you like somebody? That's right. Yeah, okay. You end up with them. Hey, you look familiar. <laughs> In fact, you look like me. Oh, my gosh. How strange. It's it's complicated enough without having to worry about that. I mean, oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Craziness. Uh, let's see. Where's my sound sheet? There was some sound I wanted to get to before the show is over. Oh, because it's pretty good. Oh, give me, uh, oh, that's a joke. I don't know. Well, all right, go ahead. Give me 13. The adult website Pornhub has deleted nearly 80% of its content, though nobody noticed because it was the last 80% of every video. Because uh, porn, get it? Oh, yeah, that's not a good joke. Uh, let's see. How about, no, that's too serious. Uh, let's do more than 10 million videos were removed from the site. Yeah, that's an incredibly troubling story. We talked about that. It's, it's girls who might well be underage. It's unconscious girls and women. It's clearly rape. It's just, oh, it's just sick, 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 sick. The internet is, is such a boon for sick people. Um, let's see. Let's do, uh, 11. Big news today from the business world and the regular world too. Because Amazon announced that their CEO, Jeff Bezos, will be stepping down. Before leaving office, he will be cocooned in bubble wrap and put in a box eight times his size. Maybe throw in a little SD card or something like that. (laughs) Hilarious. Uh, We're going to reset the San Francisco Board of Education saying merit is racist and... um a little Joe Manchin moderate politics for you if you want. Scott Atlas is weighed in. we got a lot of stuff to squeeze in. Don't go away. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. These people. 
people are, I don't know what they're talking about with lie. These are just bizarre statements that have no fact whatsoever. There's been a complete perversion yeah. of the term the science. There is no reason not to open schools. There is nothing special about schools except that they're low-risk environments. If I had a job where I wanted to be safe from COVID, I would become a teacher. That's uh, Dr. Scott Atlas, who goes on. I mean, these people are just, I I don't understand it. In fact, there's no reason, by the way, to prioritize teachers in vaccination programs. Teachers are not at high risk. High risk teachers should be prioritized. But 80, you know, 82% of teachers in the United States are under 55. Half of them are under 41. They're a low risk, young profession. They should be back at work. I said this months ago. And again, L.A. schools will delay in-person student classes and services of any kind while coronavirus infection rates remain high uh, and the teachers remain unvaccinated, said the superintendent on Monday. So uh, just, there's not going to be in-person school in the big cities that have big unions. Uh, everywhere else, uh, the kids are back in, or, or most other places, the kids are back in, they're doing fine. Less risk than the community at large. There are no big outbreaks. Every, everybody is perfectly fine. It's something. It is an incredible failure of democracy. Is is the range of of teachers' union strength that does it vary pretty widely from state oh, yeah. to state? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, huh. they achieve a certain critical mass at a certain size and have enough money that they just buy the politicians. Okay. Total change of topic. Uh, here is I want to be sure we get this one on. Andy No was on Tucker Carlson for about a blink last night. For some reason, Tucker booked him for like two minutes. I was anxious to hear him say more about Antifa in clip number 60. And you'll see based on the curriculum that in addition to weapons training and training how to fight, there's actually a very intense radicalization process that takes a new recruit through certain incremental steps, eventually to reaching them to a point where they are brainwashed into not just killing for their cause, but also having a desire to be martyred. You can think of it as essentially a religious death cult, which is why when they kill people and they launch attacks and they bring explosives and knives and guns to their riots, they revel and celebrate in that destruction. That's a guy who's witnessed Antifa day after day after day, been assaulted by them uh, in Portland, and he knows what he's talking about. Andy No, NGO, has written a book about it. We ought to talk to him. We ought to book him and uh, and have a conversation. Uh, Speaking of people on the uh, outer edges of politics, uh, Trump loyalist Mike Lindell, the My Pillow guy, was on Newsmax TV. Newsmax TV is a new cable service, newish. That's uh, trying to rival Fox for the conservative crowd. Let me ask you this. Do you think that this should be temporary because it appears to be permanent? Could you make an argument that it is temporary? What? Could you make an argument that this could be a temporary banning rather than permanent? No, I want it to be a permanent because you know what? They did this because I'm revealing all the evidence on Friday of all the election problem with these machines. So I'm sorry if you think okay. it's not uh, Mike, it's real. I, I, can I ask our producers, can we uh, get out of here, please? 
I, I don't want to have to keep going over this. Actually, we at Newsmax Mike, have not been able wait, to verify any of those allegations. Wait, that you're, you're, Mike, okay. hold on you a second. Everybody hold on a second. Mike, Mike, hold on one second. Uh, let's talk a little bit about just what is happening overall in terms of censorship. Of cancel out my company and myself okay. in this country. It's cancel okay. culture. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, there was a misunderstanding about that clip. It was the other half that I wanted where Lindell starts into the Dominion voting machines and now they're changed and i have proof and the newsmax uh anchors jump in and talk over him and read what is clearly a prepared statement about newsmax is evaluated we find no proof blah 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 because uh, dominion is suing people for billions of dollars for making up uh, crazy theories about him and i'm sorry if you believe it those theories are not true i'm no biden voter trust me on that um, so they, they had to shout him down. Even on Newsmax TV, they wouldn't let him say those things, which you, you I found really interesting. The first half of that? Yeah, go ahead. So well, what happened? What, what happened with your Twitter account and the uh, company page? Well, first, mine was taken down because we have all the election fraud with these Dominion machines. We have 100% proof. And then I... When they took it down um, uh, about Mike, three weeks Mike, ago, I, and then when I put it back up, my personal, I put it, it was a Mike, uh, thank you very much. Mike, Mike, I, you're talking about machines uh, that, that we at Newsmax have not been able to verify any of uh, those kinds of allegations. We just want to let people know that there's nothing substantive that we've seen. And let me read you something there. While there were some clear evidence of some cases of vote fraud and election irregularities, the election results in every state were certified and newsmax accepts the results as legal and final the courts have also supported that view so right. we so, wanted so to talk to you about place. canceling you culture you if you will we don't want to relitigate the, the, the wait, wait, uh, wait, allegations wait, wait, that you're wait. making mike because I'm, I'm we we, we understand where you are so let me ask you this do you think that the- okay, then, then wow into the part where we had already heard Wow. So, yeah, they obviously had a prepared statement about the Dominion voting machines, and that's the position of Newsmax TV, which I haven't logged into time with. I don't even know if I get it. Um, I'm, I'm about to dive in the world of YouTube TV. I need to just go ahead and deal with that, and uh, I'm sure they have virtually everything, huh? I don't know. I hope so. And then uh, in that clip, because it was audio, you couldn't see, but the, the, the male anchor, about 15 seconds before the clip ends, he gets up and just walks off the set. Wow. Trying to make it very clear that if you guys sue me, I tried, I walked away, I'm not involved. Wow. Wow. Drama. Admit me, chorus to this history. <laughs> Who, prologue-like, your humble patients pray, gently to hear, kindly to judge, the final thoughts of Armstrong and Getty. That's beautiful. Here's your host, me, Joe Getty, to get a final thought from everybody on the crew. He's pressing the buttons in the control room. Our technical director, Michelangelo. Michael? Yeah, we were talking about Tinder earlier, and I just kept thinking to myself, I'm so glad I'm not in the dating world anymore, because I don't think I could do it now. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Positive Sean, our producer, with a final thought. I feel like we are inching ever closer and closer as a country to having the important conversations that need to be have. We all just need to do a better job of calling out the rhetoric of the idiots when it uh, encroaches into these important conversations. I think we might see more of that. I think the idea that, oh, my idiots, uh, they actually help my cause. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like having a vicious dog. Sooner or later, the thing's chewing on your leg. 
Oh, my gosh. My final thoughts. Uh, some of the lunatics at San Francisco public schools are now saying acronyms are white supremacist. Um, that's how crazy they are. Please reject this thinking and these policies or your uh, city, county or state will be every bit as diseased as San Francisco. Uh, I'm exhausted. Tough, tough family stuff going on. Uh, for me and actually Jack, who had to be away this hour. Uh, glad you're here. Thank you very much for listening. There will be plenty more to talk about tomorrow. World keeps spinning. Yeah, amen to that. Meanwhile, listen to this groovy music. Oh, there's there's John Bonham, finally. <laughs> Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people to thank. So little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have a lot of great clicks for you. A lot of great stories. That whole Newsmax video with Mike Lindell, you can watch that, for instance. Uh, I didn't get to Hitler's toilet. Is up for auction. I've got to check my checking account. Uh, plus, you can email us. If there's something we ought to be talking about, send it along. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. That's mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. We'll see you tomorrow. God bless America. There'll be order in the house. And when it's over, it is over. It is over. Yeah, that's just complete, utter nonsense. So let's just dispense with that fundamental, foundationally nonsense. That is the climax of foolishness. Figure it out! Or get off the podium! As the athletes would say, we've left it all in the field. When it comes on for you to go, you have to go. Go away! I can't, 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 I can't. So which one did I say how many times just there? (laughs) Armstrong and Getty.